From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, January 5th. More evictions are hitting Moab residents this winter. Last month, the owners of a tract of land with 10 occupied trailer homes told families they need to leave. They have until the end of the month to find new housing. Justin Higginbottom speaks with residents about what happens next. I meet Cindy Stevens on her porch. She's tending to an impressive collection of potted plants. She's kept them alive during the winter. Now, she's wondering where they'll all go. I've put a lot of work in the yard. I, I brought in gravel, sod. I've made it my home. Stevens has lived here for the last two years. But this December, owners of the property sent her and everyone else here an eviction notice. I have nowhere to go. We'll see. There's not even any storage units in town, so... It is what it is. I mean, I think it sucks in the middle of winter. Who's going to break ground in winter? The property's real estate agent says the owners are in the process of selling, but that depends on if they can remove the tenants. She didn't disclose the potential buyer. The Moab Valley Multicultural Center has been working with residents to find housing. The center says two tenants so far have relocated, but the rent has doubled. The others, which include seniors and pregnant women, are desperate. Sarah Melnikoff runs Moab Solutions and works with those in the community looking for housing. She says trailer courts, like where Stevens lives, are an important affordable option for many. Here's Melnikoff. I mean, I know I saw in Durango when I lived there what happened as one trailer court after the other disappeared. And oftentimes they were the only place for hardworking people to live because they were affordable. They're not palatial or anything like that, but they're home. And I'm watching that happen here, and it's tragic because the lifeblood of the community involves every type of person together. We make the community. And as one sector is being forced out, it impacts everybody. Back at the property, Stephen's neighbor also doesn't know where he'll end up. My name is Jose Andres. So it's here from in my house. It's me and my wife and three kids, and I also have a, a pet friend. He's a five-year-old yellow lab. You know, we've we had him since he was a little puppy, so part of the family for sure. This was his family's first home. He hasn't told his kids yet that they'll be leaving. It's been definitely great. As you can see, there's no traffic, so my kids can come out here and ride their bikes, do their scooters, you know, so it's a really friendly place for sure. But yeah, this is where we've been for the past seven years until we got that notice. Andres works in the service industry, and Moab has a labor shortage. The biggest contributor, affordable housing. For Andres, the timing of this eviction is especially painful. It was definitely uh, maybe a week and a half before Christmas. By then, you're already set with Christmas spendings and everything. And then, obviously, everybody closes in January because it's so slow. So, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't time enough, you know. We didn't have much time. And we still don't have me right now. We have another, what, 27 days to go. Because it's the slow season, his family doesn't have a lot of savings. He's applied to three or four companies for housing and only got one response from the same management company who sent him the eviction. We never think that we're going to be stuck in this situation, but unfortunately we are. So all we have to do is, you know, face it and hopefully find some people that could uh, help us, you know, help us find some housing. We don't we definitely don't want to move out of Moab ever. Stevens also doesn't have many options. She's been in Moab for 50 years. She's a widow. Unfortunately, it's looking for something here or I might have to move out of the community away from my family and friends. 
The Multicultural Center says finding housing in such short notice is hard. They're interested in policy to prevent something like this in the future, like a six-month notice for mass evictions due to property sales. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. The Biden administration is considering new measures to protect the greater sage-grouse, birds best known for their spectacular mating dances. Their sagebrush habitats are in peril from fires, mining, and oil and gas development. But some areas are getting help from an unexpected source, incarcerated men and women. Our partners at H2O Radio report. For decades, TV and movies have depicted cowboys driving cattle through sagebrush country, a desolate place dotted with gray-green shrubs. Even today, a drive down a highway in the West gives the impression it's monotonous terrain with little value. You know, flyover country. But don't let Gina Klingerman hear you call it a wasteland. I mean, this is a national treasure that people don't realize is here. Gina is with the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, and I'm walking with her on this very windy day through rolling hills in southern Wyoming, where a wildfire last year torched 14,000 acres of so-called sagebrush steppe, a landscape that she says is in peril. It is at risk. It is being destroyed piece by piece. You know, oh, we're going to bulldoze this for a little road into this place. Or, oh, we have another oil and gas well here. That's five acres there. Or, you know, we have this little mining claim that's two acres here. Well, that starts to add up over time. Current estimates are that nearly half of sagebrush habitat is gone because of human activities and increasingly from fires. Like at this charred site we're walking through now, about 100 miles north of the Colorado-Wyoming border. These, these were probably 100 150-year-old sagebrush, dead, gone, forever. That's a devastating loss for the pronghorn, deer, elk, and other wildlife that depend on this ecosystem, and also for the vast amounts of carbon the deep-rooted plants store. Once sagebrush are destroyed, it could take a hundred years for them to come back. The BLM wants to restore these habitats, in large part because of shrinking numbers of greater sage-grouse, birds best known for their spectacular courtship dances in the spring. Gina says just scattering seeds on the ground really doesn't work to establish the plants, though they've tried. And so today, among blackened nubs of dead sagebrush on this barren hillside, I'm seeing little yellow cages about 12 inches tall inside which Gina and her colleagues have hand-planted seedlings one by one. It's arduous and time-consuming, but they got a little help from a surprising source. My name is Levi George, and I am at the Wyoming State Honor Farm. The Wyoming Honor Farm is a minimum security prison in Riverton, Wyoming, a couple of hours north of here. Through a program called the Sagebrush in Prisons Project, Inmates like Levi are helping the BLM by raising sagebrush from seed. Yeah, we, we start from the beginning. We uh, mix the dirt and the soil, uh, make sure the pH levels are where they need to be. And then we do the seedlings. And then throughout the year, we water and fertilize them. Had you ever raised plants from seeds before? No. How did that make you feel? It was great. It was very therapeutic, and it's nice to see something grow from nothing. So being able to nurture them and watch them grow 
to me, it was very soothing. The plants the inmates grew in six months that are going into the burn area are now about three inches tall. If they had been grown from seeds in the wild, it would have taken five years to get to the same height. The idea is to give sagebrush restoration a jump start and offer inmates a fresh start. At the end of the program, we give every participant a certificate. It talks about the skills that they've acquired. That's Stacy Moore with the Institute for Applied Ecology. The nonprofit created the Sagebrush in Prisons program in partnership with the BLM and now work in 11 prisons, including ones in Oregon, Idaho, Nevada, and California. We feel it's enriching the inmates' lives, that we're giving them education skills, horticulture skills, certificates, helping them with pro-social behaviors. And we find more inmates are wanting to do the program than there are openings. The experience convinced Levi, who's due to be released within days, to apply to work for the BLM. I plan on still continuing to work with them after my release here and try to help other people that's been in my situation when they get out to have somewhere to start from because it's hard for felons to get, you know, employment sometimes. So, With the Sagebrush Project, prisons are reporting less violence, and studies show programs like these are reducing recidivism. Inmates say giving back to the community meant a lot. It's just knowing that you had a part of something that you're giving life to that's going to hopefully sustain other life forms. It's, it's a big deal. It's also a big deal for the newly planted sagebrush. They'll thrive thanks to the help of the inmates who nurtured the seedlings and in that process grew themselves. I'm Franny Halperin. This piece is from our partners at H2O Radio. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, January 5th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.